Coming up on this week's show, Helen Juliet, who's also known as H.J. Welch, talks to us about Rapunzel, the Royals of Rosavia, and the residents of Pine Cove. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 254 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Will, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. We'll have a little more information on how you can join the community at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. Welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. We hope your week has gone well. Mine was a bit hit or miss. Quite honestly, I've suffered a lot of ups and a lot of downs during the pandemic, and considering the unimaginable hellscape that is the United States of America right now, the fact that I made it through this week at all is kind of remarkable. And how did I make it through? I read some really good books. I won't be talking about them this week, but coming up, I've got some really amazing stuff that I want to talk about. But when it comes to reading, my fantastic husband has a bit of news. I'm getting ready to release some short stories and some novellas over the next few weeks. And I decided that, you know, why not give people a little bit of free reading? So as I'm sprucing up these for a re-release, I'm going to be sharing chapter by chapter with my newsletter subscribers in what I call Friday Storytime. So if you would like to start getting some free fiction from me leading up to these re-releases, you simply need to sign up for my email list. You'll find on the top of jeffadamswrites.com a newsletter button. You can click that, leave me your address, and then each Friday you'll get the chance to read the story as I release it. Now the first one up is going to be a story called Summer Heat. It is a story about two grad students who find their love in the midst of a heat wave happening down south. I like the fact that I'm actually starting to release this in the midst of our own heat wave here in California. It's kind of timely. So that'll start next Friday and run for a number of weeks. I've got four stories I'm going to release this way. So sign up now and you'll get several weeks of some free reading. And you'll have the opportunity at the end to get the free completed ebook as well. So I hope to see you on the email list and that you enjoy the stories. Yeah, I'm really glad that you're re-releasing Summer Heat. It is one of my favorite things that you've ever written. Oh, I never knew that. That is so cool. (laughs) Yep, it's on the top of my list. So I'm really glad that it's getting back out there in the world. And if you're interested in Summer Heat or the latest news of what Jeff is up to in his writing life, be sure to go to jeffadamswrites.com. And as you noted, I was the one who has some books to talk about this week. And before I get into my review, I want to share a little bit of what we're hearing from our listeners. Eileen says she is, quote, eating up the Irresistible Omega series from Nora Phoenix. And if you recall, we had Nora on the show back in episode 250 talking about the wrap-up from that series. So very excited to hear that Eileen is enjoying that. She also said that Sunlight and Stardust by Christina Lee and Raleigh Hart is a five-star read. So that is good to hear as well. Now, of course, we want to know what you're reading, and all you have to do to talk to us about that is leave a comment over on our post on Patreon, which I'll have a link to in the show notes. You don't have to be a member of our Patreon community to leave us a comment there. So you could do that, and you might hear us shout out what you're reading on a future episode. Check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. It's summer, so road trips are in right now, and it's 
kind of crazy to me that I've actually read two road trip books this year already. <laughs> uh, the first one was Annabeth Albert's Conventionally Yours. And now I've got a second road trip under my belt with Hairpin Curves by Elia Winters. This road trip actually takes place in the dead of winter. But this enemies to lovers second chance romance is such an ideal summer read. Megan is in her mid-twenties and kind of drifting through life. When the diner she works at announces it's going out of business, she has no idea what she wants to do next. She's got dreams, and there's things that she's always wanted to do, but she's stuck. Now, when her former best friend Scarlett shows up, because Megan's not answering email or text, it is beyond awkward. These two have not spoken in years. But another friend that they were besties with in high school is getting married, and she wants both of them to attend. And of course, she's not getting married in Florida, where these two live. She's getting married way up in Quebec. Now, with money concerns and not being particularly thrilled with the idea of flying, Megan and Scarlett managed to put aside some of their animosity and agree on a road trip to get to the ceremony. Now, you can already imagine how many days is it going to take to go from Florida to Quebec. This is not going to be a short-term Way trip. Way too long. <laughs> what are they thinking? Yeah, I'm too old for that kind of road trip these days. <laughs> now, even before they leave, the ice between them begins to thaw. As Megan reveals that she actually would like to make some stops along the way. As part of her dream, she's got these places that she's always wanted to visit, and they could certainly do that on the trip. Now, shortly after they begin this trip, they, they start working their way through why they stopped talking. The way Ilya writes this scene, it's so visceral. The way that they talk about the pain that they went through when one reached out and then the other didn't respond, and then the other one reached out and was frozen out by the other one, and why they stopped talking in the first place. They eventually break their stalemate, and without getting into specifics here, it all really boiled down to them not wanting to disappoint the other, which really just made it all the more heartbreaking. The road trip is really wonderful, though, as Megan and Scarlett use it to start to open up about their lives. Megan's not the only one stuck, so as they talk about why their friendship fell apart, there's also a lot of discussion about where their lives are now and what they may want as they both try to look to the future. Of course, along the way, they also have to deal with the feelings that they've always had for each other. The same things that are making them feel stuck also have them believing that neither of them are worthy of love. The discovery for both of them that everything they've made themselves believe isn't actually true was wonderful. Ilya does such a wonderful job of these two figuring out more and more on this trip. And I really felt like I was an interloper in, at times, you know, like the one sitting in the backseat of the car, perhaps, mm. just listening to all this unfold. The trip, too, was really amazing as they zigzagged everywhere. Starting in Florida, they went to the Carolina coast because Megan wanted to see the ocean that was not part of Florida's coast. They went to Nashville for some live music. They found some snow because they really, you know, living in Florida, you don't see a lot of snow. So they went to play in the snow. They went up to Salem to check out some witchy things. As they got closer to their destination, they even got snowed in in a really nice sort of cabin glamping sort of scenario. Each place gave them more and more to unlock about each other. And it's all wonderfully slow burn too, including their more intimate moments that start out with them masturbating on separate beds to eventually coming fully together for some really scorching hot lovemaking. Ilya does a great job managing the slow burn and helping these characters figure out what they want from life and love. And the road trip to me is really the best thing for these two characters. 
And I love the vulnerability that they have and kind of the two steps forward, one step back that they go through. And it, it just gave me everything I wanted in a summertime read because it was just so satisfying. So I highly recommend you take the trip with Megan and Scarlet in Hairpin Curves by Elia Winters. And consider the audiobook too, because Deborah Woodward gives a fantastic performance. And hey, guess what? The audiobook is available through Libro.fm, where you can purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. And listeners of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to biggayfictionpodcast.com slash Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O-F-M, for all the details. And a quick reminder, on Saturday, August 22nd, I'll be moderating a discussion with Elia Winters and Philip William Stover for a virtual event with Barbara's Bookstore in Chicago. That's August 22nd at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope to see you in the virtual audience. Now, if you're interested in learning more about the books or anything else that we've talked about on this week's show, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 254 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Hi, I'm Jay from the LGBTQ romance review blog, Joyfully Jay. At Joyfully Jay, we review tons of LGBTQ romance, as well as romantic fiction and nonfiction. We review ebooks, audiobooks, and even the occasional movie. We typically review about 18 books a week, so Joyfully Jay is a great place to hear about new releases, catch up on books you may have missed, and find some new favorites. In addition to our reviews, each weekday we host an author as our first post of the day. This gives readers a chance to learn more about new releases, get exclusive excerpts, find out about the author, and participate in great giveaways. Each author post on Joyfully Jay is exclusive, so you get access to book and author information you can't find other places. At Joyfully J, we love LGBTQ romance and are excited to share it with you. Stop by the blog at joyfullyj.com. You can also visit us on our Facebook group, The Joyful Jays. We'd love to have you join us. So this week I had the opportunity to sit down with Helen Juliet, who also writes under the name of H.J. Welch. I learned all about fairy tale adaptations, and we got to go back to Rosavia as we've you know talked to a couple of authors now on the Rosavia Royals series, and of course Helen, under her H.J. Welch name, also is the writer of this month's book club selection with Troubled Waters, which is part of her Pine Cove series. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. It's a wonderful, funny conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Helen, welcome to the podcast. It is so awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You write under H.J. Welch and Helen Juliet. Tell us what kind of books people will find under those two names. Uh, yes, so that's the question that everybody asks me. So I started writing as Helen Juliet with a very distinctive British voice. Those books are set in the UK and they're standalones. But then I wanted to delve into American small town series but it didn't feel right to put those in with the Helen Juliet books as well. So that's where I came up uh, with H.J. Welch. So H.J. for Helen Juliet and then Welch is my husband's name. So yeah. that seemed quite romantic. Keeping so. it in the family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but all my books are kind of very similar in tone in terms of they're all uh, contemporary MM romance. They're all very much feel good, low angst, quite light and fluffy. I write a lot of mischievous pets. <laughs> There's always a cat or a dog or a hedgehog there to kind of uh, liven up the proceedings. 
but yes, so H.J. Welch uh, is what I've written most books on so far. Those are all series. Um, so there's several books in each one or they're part of, it's part of a series like the Zavia Royals where I write a book and there's several other authors that have written a book as well. And then yes, Helen Juliet writes standalones. And that, that pen name I've now decided to steer in the direction of, of purely just fairy tale adaptations. So it's been really, really fun um working oh, on that pen name yeah i'm, I'm going to be focusing on that one sort of for the rest of this year i think pretty much uh, apart from one book yeah i'm having a real i'm having a blast <laughs> sort of diving into these fairy tale contemporary mm adaptations yeah it's been really fun <laughs> so i have to ask can you tell us what adaptation you're working on right now Yes, I am literally in the process of finishing the last couple of chapters of uh, my new book, which will be out by the end of August. Uh, it's a Rapunzel adaptation, and it's called Hair Out of Place. Uh, hair is in hair on your head, but he's a secret prince, so it's kind of, you know, it's a bit of a play on words, hair out of place. So yeah, I'm really, really excited about finishing that and getting that out, yeah, into the world. Wow, you said so many things there I like, because I'm a sucker for a royal book. <laughs> Yes, I love princes too. <laughs> you wrap in the the fairy tale overlay to it. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you've done with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what's that's what I enjoy most about fairy tales is uh, taking the little details that people are familiar with and bringing them bringing them to life in a new way. I come from a background of about fifteen years in fan fiction, and I had a reputation for real world alternate realities so I would take the characters come from Harry Potter fan fiction so I would take the characters that people knew and loved from that and I would put them in contemporary modern settings or I, I wrote a lot of historical AUs for fan fiction the kind of easier quote-unquote it is to adapt but honestly like so, so earlier in the year I did uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast adaptation Thorn in His Side and um, that had a lot of elements and that's a very well-known Disney film that people absolutely love but even then like you know I wanted to get as many little details in as possible so people go oh like this character reminds me of this or you know there's roses everywhere or like and then with the Rapunzel one it's actually a simpler fairy tale there are less elements to play with and that kind of that made it harder in some ways, but then it also allows me to just be a bit wackier <laughs> and really go, you know, I, I love, with, with the fairy tale books, I kind of, it's not quite realistic. It's sort of like realistic adjacent. So the, the animals don't quite talk, but you, they, they're not far off it. They're pretty sassy. You know, it's, it's quite crazy in terms of like the arranged marriage in Thorn of His Side it was completely ridiculous so it would never be allowed legally speaking in this day and age which I sort of had to patiently explain to my editor it was a bit like this is all wrong and I was like I don't care <laughs> like <laughs> we're going full Disney here so yeah it's kind of it's taking all those fun elements and going oh that would be a cool way to kind of translate it so yeah I, yeah, I really enjoy working on the fairy tales and they all have their individual challenges, I think. You know, with Thorn, the thing that just swept me up in even the blurb itself was that you talk about Bubble Baz, the arranged marriage, uh -huh. and the stubborn but loyal horse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all those things are important. <laughs> but 
it's an interesting tie together, those three very distinctive elements, you know, and oh. especially now that you've talked about the talking animals, the stubborn but loyal horse, I totally get it now because yeah, that's the horse <laughs> that you would expect. And I immediately, when you said it, flashed to um, some of the horses that we've seen in the Disney animated movie yes, and how they react to certain things. Yeah, he might have been based on a, on a horse in a different Disney film, but let's not cross our wires too much there. <laughs> I think with like with that tagline and the blurb, like I wanted to, you know, there are quite a few Beauty and the Beast adaptations out there, uh, even in MM land. And I wanted to kind of put my original stamp on it. And I think I don't want to give anything away if you haven't read the book, but the end of the, the, sort of the big climax of, of that book is, you know, it, it's quite it is quite crazy. And I sort of want readers to know what they're to letting themselves in for so it is a little bit off the rails but yeah with the bubble baths like very important things happen when they're having their bubble baths so like those are very important moments so <laughs> yeah <laughs> with the Rapunzel book has there been anything that's been like the most fun that you wrote into the book um if you could give that away maybe without giving up too much spoiler material <laughs> So I love the opening of this book and I kind of, I can't wait to go back and do the second edit on it. I do a lot of work in the second edit of my books. It's kind of a case of just throw it all down. And then, you know, my bless, my, my beta reader is absolutely amazing. And she's always a bit like, are we going to fix this in the second part? And I'm like, yes, it's fine. But the, the opening of this book, without giving too much away, like I wanted to go nuts. So it's, I would, I would describe it a little bit like a Fast and the Furious moment. It's like, what what the hell just happened? And I hope it's that kind of explosive start that, that will make people go, well, I have to finish this book now because what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite an, an action and adventure, fun, crazy moment. So yeah, like I want to make sure that the rest of the book matches up to that because I wrote that like, yeah, that started off as like a 9,000 word chapter and then I had to like break it down a little bit <laughs> make it a bit more manageable yeah. I don't know as we were talking about Rapunzel that I would have expected Fast and the Furious to come out I know I'm like I, I love those films so much they are pure indulgence and that's the kind of tone that I want to go for with these fairy tale adaptations that kind of like we're not gonna care so much about the law about the laws of physics like you know we're going to go a little bit kind of off the rails and not worry too much about realism so I think again you know I wanted to set the tone for this book that you know don't take it too seriously <laughs> are you interconnecting your fairy tale worlds yes oh, not fun. not like a, not like a series but like so all my books are interconnected unless they are part of a shared universe because that's purely like intellectual property. You know, anything that's in Rosario stays in Rosario. Anything that's in Hidden Creek stays in Hidden Creek. But aside from that, all my other books are interconnected. So um, my first series I wrote is H.J. Welch. I was about a, a former boy band and that boy band has been mentioned in my Pinecombe series and in one of my other Hello Juliet books. And then Right Roll Affair is around Prince James of England. And quite a few of my other books, if you pay attention, will mention Prince James and his husband. 
uh, a sort of like a throwaway line of, well, the UK has a, has a gay prince or whatever. So like all my books are, if you pay attention, they're all set in the same world. But I, yeah, there might be a tiny little crossover coming in Rapunzel. You just have to wait and see. <laughs> Interesting. I wasn't sure if you'd be able to attach the, the fairy tale books to everything else too, since it's, you know, reality adjacent, but I'm, I'm super intrigued now. <laughs> so let's visit Rosavia for a minute. Obviously the set of Royal books came out earlier this year, shared universe. Your entry was rain or shine, which I loved kind of the pun on the words there, <laughs> kind of like the Rapunzel book again. Yeah. Um, Tell us what happens to your prince within the Rosavia Royals series. Well, so you're talking about the titles of the books. We, I don't know if you know the story behind Rosavia, but we got those covers. Uh, they were pre-mades. So our very talented artist, Angsty G, she had a pre-made sale and that was the pièce de résistance. She called it a royal boy band and she had these five princes and she picked out, she had already named four out of the five books. We only changed one. So she gets all credit for the crazy puns. Wow. And the very, yeah, she's such, a, she's such a pun artist. She's great. So, but with the, we, so we had the, the, the titles pretty much and the covers already sorted. And Ed and I saw them. He was in Japan, I was up late in the UK and Angsty G was in America. So it was all crazy time zones. And it happened to go live at the moment that we were all awake. And I was screaming at Ed like over Messenger. I was like, we have to get these books. <laughs> so that's what we did. We grabbed them. And then the, the, we invited a couple of authors to work with us that we worked before, like Max Rome, we worked with in uh, Hidden Creek um, and a couple of authors that we knew and then brand new Zoe Dawn. So we... It was like half of us were already on board and then a couple of us were yet to be on board. But we looked at the covers and we kind of, we kind of knew what we wanted to do already before we even had some of the authors on board. You know, Ed jumped on to his book, The Barely Regal. That's the title mm -hmm. we changed. I think it was Street Regal originally. And Ed just looked at it and said, I want to write a daddy book, which was correct because he nailed it and I am bullying him into writing more daddy kink it's so good <laughs> <laughs> so he picked that one and Max wanted to write a secret um, spy because she loves writing action and then we knew that thrown together would have to be two princes because it just had to be and then up for air had to be kind of the rebel air so that left rain or shine and it was kind of like I could do anything I wanted with it. And I just knew I wanted to do like a classic hallmark lifetime sort of royal story. You know, I love those Christmas movies. I'm the one that's like, give me hallmark channel in the UK because I will watch all of those, those very, very cheesy movies. And so I just, I just kind of knew that I wanted to do this Princess Jasmine kind of secret prince who was yearning for a real life and... And then, yeah, and then kind of the character of, of Matty and his young niece, Finley, fitted so nicely into that because I love writing kids. So I really wanted to write this fabulous little girl who's an archery champion. And that's what brought her to Rosavia because that seemed quite fairy tale and romantic. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm so keen to work on this series as H.J. Welch because I think it is the perfect kind of amalgamation of both my brands you know you've got the H.J. Welch which is the American series but then it very much leans into the Helen Juliet books about the fairy tales um, and princes and royalty and all that so yeah it was just kind of a the perfect combination 
And then it was just a matter of filling in the blanks for 80,000 words of like how this, you know, as writers do, it's so easy, just, you know. I love that you mentioned the Hallmark movie kind of connection because those, some of my favorite Hallmark movies are the ones with the secret prince who's been in the mm-hmm. States doing something and, oh, by the way, I'm a prince, why don't you come home with me? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my, I'm the same. I love that. I can't remember which one it is now, but it's like she goes over and she's like, she doesn't know that he's a prince. And, and then, like, yeah, it's, it's always like, oh, and by the way. <laughs> and I really like that interplay of characters. Like, at what point do they want to stop keeping the secret? And what point does this stop being the flight of fancy? And when does it become reality? And that was kind of the the yeah the interplay that I really wanted to sort of to explore and also it it gave me a chance to write um a great villain I I love a good villain so the journalist Ida Tar, who we ended up sharing throughout the series I really really enjoyed writing her because she's awful <laughs> and I love that idea she was very much a kind of Rita Skeeter character she was there to try and just just get everybody's secrets out and to ruin everybody and it was very satisfactory that she didn't. <laughs> and you and Ed work a lot together. This is uh, your second shared universe because you've also got Hidden Creek that's gone on for a few seasons. Yeah. Uh, what keeps bringing you two back together? Well, we're like BFFs in real life. We live like half an hour away from each other, which is amazing. So I met Ed at Europride Con 2017 in Berlin. And I approached him and our friend Amelia Faulkner, who uh, writes LGBT. It's more like kind of action, horror, thriller, quite different to us. We're like light and fluffy and she writes scary stuff. (laughs) But I knew that they were friends and they were going to be there at the convention. And I was a brand newbie. I had like two books out at this point. And this is my first event as an author. I was quite terrified. And I just sort of approached them and was like, hi, I love you guys. And they really took me under their wing, especially Amelia, who was like, do you want to write full time? And I was like, God, yes, please save me from my evil day job, which I really, really hated. And yeah, I, I, I was just looking for the exit by that point because I had written a couple of books. That was it. My eye was on the prize and I would do anything to, to just to be able to write full time. And so they made it happen. They, they coached me through my next book, which was what I considered to be my first proper book and the start of my writing career. And I did so well that I was able to, to stop the evil day job within a couple of months and write full time, which was amazing. So from then, we've kind of become inseparable. We're like a little family unit. You know, we do our own Christmas and we go on holidays together. And Ed and I, like you know, I said, I said earlier, we are two peas in a pod. We are, we are always together, and we we we're part of the same LGBT dance group in London. You know, so we're always we're always we, basically we see each other two or three times a week. So we can't help but just I don't know. We just we love the same things. So we're always plotting and brainstorming about what we're going to do next and if we see an opportunity to work together like we did on Hidden Creek, you know, we weren't planning on doing Rosario Wars. We didn't know where we were going to take the concept of the shared universe. And we were so excited to be able to do something else together again like that. So we don't know what, what we're going to work on next, but it's going to be something. I think we can't help ourselves. <laughs> so I have to ask, which, which of the books do you consider to be 
that first book. Yes, yes, that's um, my book, Baby, that's Without a Compass, which is a Helen Juliet book. This is, it's not a, a fairy tale romance, it's kind of an anomaly. It's, a, it's just a standalone, very sweet. It's set in the Lake District and it's older brother's best friend, which is one of my favourite tropes. And uh, it's just a very sweet story that came about because I was trying to force a sleeping bag in back into its bloody sock thing. And I just <laughs> thought, God, I hate camping. And I thought, oh, I could write a book about a guy that hates camping. <laughs> <laughs> and the really hot like outdoorsy guy who's his brother's best friend and that's what I did so so yes the book is without a compass and yeah I just kind of I don't know I that's when I'd met Ed and Amelia and they they helped me tweak a few things I think there was already a lot of good stuff going on with that book but they helped me think about you know making it the best that it could be and um yeah like I I was blown away by how well it did. Like by my standards now, I think, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> but at the time I was like, I can't believe this has done so well and it's charting so high. You know, it's like, oh, bless. <laughs> For someone who, who didn't even know that MM Romance existed a year previously, or I think I was just maybe getting into reading it a year previously, to then have my own book out and see it in the, you know, when I saw it in the top 20 in the UK chart, I just burst into ugly tears. <laughs> it's like proper ugly crying. <laughs> but the best kind of ugly crying, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know, I say to people, when people ask what I do for a living, and I, I'm able to tell them I'm a full-time author, and I almost always say, you know, it's my dream job. Like, I, just, I feel so lucky to met the right people that helped me on my path and helped me achieve this dream because, yeah, it's, 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 even on my bad days, I sort of have to remind myself, you know, you never have to go back to that evil day job. Like, just just keep writing. It's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's amazing what can happen with the right book and finding the right help at the right time that everything mm-hmm. clicks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like serendipity was on my side. I also worked my ass off. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't like me waving a magic wand, but you know, if you're working really hard and you're not being pointed or you're not pointing yourself in the right direction, it can be really sad and frustrating to sort of not achieve the results, or, you know, that you want. So I feel very, very lucky that I was able to kind of fulfill so much potential and, and to be able to, yeah, to be able to, to support myself and write full time and, and earn a living doing what I really love. I feel very, very lucky, very privileged. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Pine Cove which is one of the H.J. Welch books. How did you develop this small town? Where did it come from? What were its inspirations? Well, I, I love small town romance. I've read quite a few. Um, I'm going to forget the names of them now, but like ones by like Lucy Lennox, May Archer, Raleigh Rubens. You know, I love that kind of feeling of, of getting to know a town and its people, which we very much did with, I'd had a taste of doing that with, Hidden Creek obviously that was a shared universe there was lots of people playing in that sandpit but I took a lot of what I'd learned from that and I applied it to to my own little town and yeah I just kind of I created a place that I wanted to live in for a while you know I think when you're you're an author this is you're you're creating an experience for a reader that will hopefully be a wonderful few days where they can lose themselves in your book when you are the author you know you're looking at a month or two 
each book at least and then if you're writing a series you know it's like a couple of years that you want to you want to spend in that world so I wanted to create this lovely sweet town you know that had a few villains to keep things interesting <laughs> but I really wanted to base it around big families and that kind of community spirit yeah and I've really really enjoyed it Troubled Waters in August is our Big Gay Fiction book club selection for the month. And the story of social media influencer Emery and his bodyguard Duffy really captivated us. What brought this story to mind for you and how did it all come together? Well, first of all, thank you. Because I, I feel quite like, oh, you picked book two, not book one. That like, you know, I feel like book two would be a little bit overshadowed by book one. So that's really nice. You know, we um, have a weird thing in the book club where we've not picked book one. It's usually been further into the series. We don't know why. It just works out that way. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I think book one always gets the attention. And also, I think as much as like I love my book one, I love Safe Harbor, but you're always still finding your way into the world with book one. So I think you can always, you can often get a richer experience of whatever the series is about with a later on book. So yeah, I think that's a really, I think that's really cool. I think Troubled Waters was, was an ex example as uh, quite a few of my series are where the character kind of ran away from me. So I introduced <laughs> Emery in book one much like when I introduced Chris in Hidden Creek, in my first Hidden Creek book, neither of those guys were supposed to get book two, but they jumped off the page. You know, they were so flamboyant and so interesting. And with Emery, I, I really wanted to explore a character. Like you say, he's a social media influencer. And, you know, in the book, Duffy is like, what the hell is that? And it's kind of treated with you know, quite a bit disdain, as I think is, is, is you see in the real world. And I really wanted to explore how important it is to have LGBT people that are, are out and proud and just living visible lives to show the world and to show other people in the community how okay that is and to have something to aspire to and I think that's it's kind of a, a nuanced thing with Emery because he's also quite a brat which I really enjoy writing brats which I don't know what that says about me but <laughs> I think with him I wanted to kind of show uh, I think sometimes it, it, if, if you see yourself represented in media all the time you don't appreciate what it means to other people to go, oh my gosh, this person looks like me. This person is similar to my background. This person is a similar or same race as me or religion or socioeconomic class, disability, you know, anything like that. I think it's so exciting. So I wanted to show an Asian American, feminine, non-binary, protagonist who was very passionate about the work he did and you know it, yes he's a social media influencer but his his the focus of his work is actually his charity work and you know just highlighting how important charity work is within the lgbt community because you know we are a community that that has to find our families 
you know, almost every every other kind of minority, you're, you're often born into, uh, you, you know, you're born into to a, a race or a religion or a socioeconomic class. Whereas it can be very lonely to be LGBT. And for some people, you know, I'm quite a passionate supporter of uh, things like the Albert Kennedy Trust in the UK. They, they are specifically supporting LGBT homeless youth because 50% on average of, of homeless youth are LGBT still in 2020. And I, I just think it's important, as much as I want to write happy, lovely fiction, to also kind of explore these issues that that affect the LGBT community because it's it's still you know it didn't end with gay marriage you know <laughs> we've still got a long way to go in terms of representation and understanding so yeah I, I really enjoyed I, I I felt like Emery's journey was very personal to me I choose to be sort of a, a loud vocal non you know non-binary person a pansexual you know member of the queer community and I do that specifically because I want people to be able to say oh she's a bit like me you know because I know what it feels like when I look on the telly and I see somebody like Ruby Rose and I think oh she's a bit like me I feel a bit less alone now mm-hmm. so yeah as much as like I wanted to write a fun book about a bratty guy and his grumpy bodyguard you know it was important to me to kind of have that deeper message as well i really enjoyed duffy because he was flummoxed so much <laughs> by what was happening <laughs> around him bless his cotton socks yes <laughs> you mentioned that it was only about a year from that first book that you wrote when you met ed and amelia what was your gateway into MM romance? So, like I mentioned before, I was in fan fiction uh, for many, many years, and I, I was, I spent a long time writing a certain thing, and then I thought I was going to maybe go into young adult urban fantasy, but I just didn't know how, and it was, it was at that point, January two thousand fifteen, that I discovered Tumblr. And I discovered uh, Drary, which I'd been interested in like a decade before on fanfiction.net. But I fell down the rabbit hole hard. <laughs> you know, I became I became a big part of the Drary community on Tumblr, and I was there for a, a good it was a good two years. That I was very very active. But about eighteen months in, my feed started getting filled up with this artwork, and I was like, "What is this? Like, I don't know this this this." ship that people are drawing and um, I was astonished to realize to, to discover it it wasn't a fanon ship it wasn't like an imaginary pairing it was an actual book and that was the captive prince by C.S. Bacat and I was completely shocked to realize that this was a real book with real gay characters so I immediately went out and bought the trilogy I read it all three books in about four days and then Amazon, as it does, started suggesting the World Magpies by K.J. Charles, which, again, I devoured. And then the Widdishins books by Jordan L. Hawke. And I mm-hmm. loved these books so much that I just couldn't, I had to, like, find a way to contact the authors. And that's how I got into their Facebook groups. And it was Jordan L. Hawke who, when, when he found out that I was a 
London-based aspiring author, Jordan asked, well, are you coming to UK Meet? And that was, so this was August, and September was UK Meet in Southampton, which is about an hour, hour and a half away from London. And that, like, my world just pivoted on an axis. I was like, okay, I will get a ticket and I will go to this thing where I know absolutely nobody and I will see what happens. And by this point, I was thinking maybe I could, you know, I'd written, like I said earlier, I'd written a lot of fan fictions that were AUs and there was one in particular that I was thinking, oh, maybe I could adapt into a book. And and I just, that was, I just sort of met so many people and started reading so many books. And I, so this would have been September, 2016. And uh, I completely fell down the Christmas MM uh, rabbit hole. And I must've read about a dozen Christmas books, like one after the other. It's such a good rabbit hole too. <laughs> oh, I love Christmas books. So, and then I, it was December 10th. And this idea for a little story just popped into my head, fully formed and I had a friend at the time and I said to them, I think I'm going to write this and maybe see about getting it to a publisher for next year. And all credit to them, they said, no, you're not. You're going to write it right now and we're going to self-publish it. And I went, okay. <laughs> so I wrote this book, which is my little, my little Christmas novella, Glitter on the Garland. I wrote 45,000 words in 10 days around my day job. Like I just became a woman obsessed. And uh, I did it. I, I got the book out by New Year's Eve, 11.30 on New Year's Eve. It went live. So I could say by the end of 2016, I finished 2016 as an author, as a real author. And like, yeah, that was, that was kind of it. Like I just, so yeah, I released that. And then it was, uh, it was that June that I met Ed and Amelia. And then that, that August that I released Without Compass. So yeah, it was, uh, once I set my sights on it, there was no stopping me. Like I knew what I wanted and I was going to get it. And yeah, it felt really, really good to be able to hand my notice in on that September and be like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great trajectory. Um, yeah. <laughs> going further back, what got you started writing with the fan fiction and such? How did writing become something that was, you know, a part of your life? I don't remember not telling stories. So I remember being a little girl with my My Little Ponies and my Barbies, and I would create these elaborate scenes in my bedroom or in the living room, and I would have adventures going on. I would create like mountain ranges and forests and bridges, and they would go on these adventures. And my catchphrase, according to my mother, when I was playing these games was I save you so I'd have my favorite my little pony and she would go and save all the others <laughs> you know I remember getting a, a computer when I was very young and the first thing I did was write a little story about it, it was like probably about I think it was about going to walk our dogs or something like you know it's very you know imagination yeah it was very imaginative for a six-year-old but yeah, like any opportunity to write at school, I always took it. And I was just, I was, I was into a lot of geeky kind of TV shows. I was a big Star Trek fan, you know. So it was, I was always kind of like immersed in these worlds. And I would go to bed and I would just be making up my own stories as I was falling asleep. And then it was my love of Harry Potter and my desperate need between Prisoner of Azkaban and 
goblet of fire for something else, something more that led me to the internet. This would be about 1999, I guess. And that's when I discovered fan fiction. And it, I, I potted around for a potted, <laughs> potted around for a while. And then, yeah, like I just, I don't know. I, I by the time I got to my late teens, I knew I loved writing. And um, in my twenties, it was the thing that I kept coming back to. Like, I, I, I love doing a lot of creative things. Like I said earlier, Ed and I are both part of a dance company. I also act, I love to sing. I played piano and flute. I draw or I used to draw. And it was hard for me to kind of sift through everything. But by the time I got to my late 20s, and certainly at the point at which I hit my 30s, I, I realized that writing was the, just the thing. Like, I just couldn't not write. I, it was the, the purest joy that I had, being able to kind of create these worlds and share them with people. And so it took a while to kind of narrow down that, that passion. But once I did, like, I, I kind of knew. And that was it, you know, just write, writing every single day, always even if you're not writing properly, you're always planning something in your mm -hmm. head and always daydreaming. So yeah, I can't imagine not being a storyteller because I just always have been. <laughs> I love all that other creativity that you've got too, the acting, the dancing, the singing, the instruments. <laughs> yeah. I was one of those children. <laughs> you're a multi-threat there. <laughs> yep, What's... if I could have gone to stage school, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> What's a book you've read over the past few months that you'd recommend to our listeners? Oh, so like I said, I, I, I'm a big sci-fi fan and I've discovered that there is like, there's quite a, a niche of MM sci-fi and I've just discovered sci Regency. So it's Regency romance, but set in like a sci-fi setting. I had no idea something like this existed. You've just told um, me something new here. <laughs> Excellent. Great. I can, I can lecture you about it. I've been telling everybody I am that person. I just like sit down. I'm going to tell you about, so I've just read The Earl and the Executive by Kai Butler. I believe they're, they're brand new to MM Romance because I have been stalking them. <laughs> There's a book two coming out in September, I believe. I've got it on pre-order and it's just wonderful. You know, I, I do love Regency Romance in MM. I'm a big Jane Austen fan. Pride and Prejudice is one of my absolute faves. I've watched the BBC adaptation more times than I can count. And yeah, my copy of the book is like falling apart. So it's all those wonderful kind of things you'd expect from Regency Romance, you know, the, the, the social etiquette and the very rigid kind of moral codes and the, 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 the kind of repressed feelings and the sighs and the longing glances. But, you know, when, when it comes to MM Romance, you're doing that kind of thing. It always has to be in the shadows when you're writing historical. It always has to be closeted, you know, for fear of, of corporal punishment. So what Psy Regency does is take all these wonderful traditions and just sticks them on another planet in the future. So instead of going to London for the season, they go to this, this, this whole planet where they, they go for, for the, the ton go for, for, for the marriage season. And, and instead of sending letters, they have like, you know, like basically mobile phones and, and, and iPads and, and it just, it removes that kind of, and everybody's just bisexual, like, you know, there's just no question about it. And I think 
that's the exact kind of escape escapism that I wanted in 2020. Like, you know, just to shut the world outside away, forget all the stuff that's going on and to just kind of lose yourself in these fancy balls and, and, and the, Oh, you know, he needs to marry to save his family and to save his business. Mm. And uh, yeah. And to just, you know, it's sometimes it's just nice to kind of remove that prejudice that is still, you know, in this day and age, uh, a prevalent issue for the LGBT um, community. So yeah, it's, it was pure escapism, but I absolutely loved it. I highly recommend it. So that was The Earl and the Executive by Kai Butler. And now I'm now I'm falling down a rabbit hole. I asked my readers for, <laughs> for more recommendations. So <laughs> I've got, I got several lined up. So yeah. Is that something you're going to take a stab at writing sometime? I mean, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be, I'm trying to sort of not plan so much because I spent the first couple of years really planning what I was going to do and what was going to come next. And nothing ever, ever worked out the way that I thought it was going to. So I've got like place marks for things and I've got, things my next book is kind of set in stone that I'm gonna do but aside from that I'm like uh, I'm kind of like just seeing where the muse takes me because trying to plan actually it doesn't seem to work <laughs> my, my books just seem to pop up and do whatever they want anyway so I'm embracing that now <laughs> you know best laid plans yeah. yes <laughs> the road to hell is paved with good intentions there you go <laughs> Now, we've talked a little bit about what's coming next. You've got the Rapunzel book coming out. Is there anything else you could share about what, what to expect towards the end of 2020? Absolutely. I've got, I've got quite a lot going on immediately in terms of adjacent projects. So the, the Rain or Shine audio should be coming out any day now, as we, <laughs> we hopefully mentioned earlier. I've got a lot of German translations coming out, which is incredibly exciting. The first three Pine Cove books are out in German. Without a Compass will be out in German in September. And I've got a three or four more books scheduled um, to be translated, which is really fun. And then my next book after the Rapunzel one, Hair Out of Place, I'm going to go back to Pine Cove and I'm going to write, I'm going to write the fifth book, which I think is going to be the last. But like I said, I'm, I'm not planning anymore. <laughs> I've given up planning. So I think it's going to be the last. But I'm really excited about that. That's for a character that has been in the background quite a lot and has been hinted at. But, you know, he hasn't got his own story yet. And I'm really excited. I've got that quite a bit planned out. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Because it's been a while. I haven't been back to Pine Coast since November. So I'm looking forward to returning to the town and sort of reminding myself of all the fun characters and the families that I've introduced. Yeah, it might be the last book. We'll see. <laughs> So what's the best way for people to keep up with you online and your multiple pin names? <laughs> I've made myself stick to two at the moment, but the temptation to, to, to drop a third is strong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, definitely the best way to keep up with me is my Facebook group, which is Helen's Jewels. It's a, it's a really fun, very active group. I do weekly updates there. I do weekly Teaser Tuesdays. I'm always sort of dropping in and, and chatting about what I'm working on. But it's also like just a fun fun place to hang out we have authors pop in each week doing giveaways and we do like watch read and wednesdays and it's and just like lots of like like random fun games and 
but yeah, it's, it's definitely the place where I go to first to, you know, uh, if I've been writing till 2am and I've done a 7k day, like that's where I'll go and say, Hey guys, guess what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's nice to have a corner of the internet that's just fun and safe mm. <laughs> so yeah i absolutely love my facebook group so yes please please come join helen's jewels yeah it, you, you'll enjoy it you'll have a lot of fun <laughs> excellent well we'll of course link to that in the show notes along with everything that we talked about uh in this episode helen thank you so much for coming and talking to us it's been wonderful thank you i've really really enjoyed it it's been it's been really fun <laughs> this week's interview transcript is brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And thanks again to Helen for taking the time to talk to us. It was really a lot of fun talking to her. And I'm happy to pass along that since we recorded that interview, Rain or Shine, which is her entry in the Rosavia Royals universe, has come out on audio. So that's definitely in the show notes. You can go pick that up. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. All right, I think that'll do it for this week's show. Now, coming up next week in episode 255, we've got a special episode focusing on historicals. Yes, back in April, I moderated a panel for Interlude Press's tiny book festival called Turning Back the Clock, Writing Historicals. It was a great discussion between Alicia Constantine, Susie Ingold, Carrie Pack, Amy Stilgenbauer, and Laura Stone. We talk about everything from the Regency to the Old West to the 1980s, getting up into the early 2000s, and all points in between. So if historicals are at all your thing, and to me, some of that treaded really close to contemporary space even, <laughs> because I'm that old, that it's tragic that the 80s are considered historical at this point, you'll want to make sure to come back for that conversation next week. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that you've discovered some new books to add to your TBR pile. And if not, just like Jeff mentioned, we'll be back again next week with even more recommendations and author interviews. Until next time, everyone, please stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.